You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Over here on my right, we've got the one and only Mr. Bobby Osinski. Bobby. Hey, Mike. Hi, everybody. It's good to see you, Bobby. Likewise. Next to him, we've got the one and only Mr. Mouth Foley. <laughs> Scott Gershon. Hi, Mike. How you doing? <laughs> and across the table from him, over here on my left, we've got someone who's really low on energy most of the time, <laughs> Mr. Nick Peck. Hello, Mike. Hello, gentlemen. It has been way too long. It's great seeing you all again. It's good seeing you. Absolutely. And finally, over here on my left, we've got the one... And only, in live and in person, the Ooh. Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast, Mr. Rob Arbiter. Hello, everyone. Rob. And this is not Skype, right? I know. I can see you guys. I, like, I can reach out and pinch you if wow, I want I to. wish you wouldn't. <laughs> Scott just did. <laughs> it's good to be here in the person. Hey, uh, so for the people out there in the uh, podcast <clears throat> land, I know we just posted a podcast a couple weeks ago, but we actually haven't been together in months, I would. Mm-hmm. It's been at least two months since we've actually been together. I held a couple podcasts so that we can kind of fill the gap. But um, everybody's been busy, and we took a little break over the summer. So uh, now we're back, and um, yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. All right, well, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next mm-hmm. time. <laughs> Anyhow, it's good to, to good to be here. A lot of stuff to talk about, guys. Um, first of all, number one. The fact that Rob is here is is just yeah. I can't even figure that one out. Right? How crazy is that? So even if, if we do it VR, you can just always be here and just that's you know, true. Because yeah. this is like your one day, right? In, yeah. in your schedule that you could actually. This was it. I flew in two days ago, and I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> but by funny. the time you post this, I've been back for weeks. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And I theoretically do live in this town, so it's it's nice to visit occasionally. <laughs> but yes, I've been traveling like a crazy person. Well, which you know what? Actually, that's something I want to bring up really quick. I I get a lot of people asking, you know, if we can do. Um, podcast more frequently like we used to and all i can tell you is probably not it's hard enough getting these guys one time a month sometimes if we can if we get on a roll we'll try to but one of the things about this show that makes it you know really dynamic is everybody is working in the fields and they're all really busy um so just bear with us sometimes we'll have more sometimes we'll have less um but you know i would rather have um one really good show than a couple of watered down shows or in this case one really good watered down show <laughs> than a couple of diluted shows. <laughs> we'll see how this one turns out. <laughs> but no, it's it's all good. But you know, we'll try as as much as we can. But it's good to see all you guys and a uh, lot to talk about. Um, but let's let's start off with something that that I I've been reading about, and I know today they came out with uh, Native Instruments came out with software, but. It's not very often that you see a, a new audio format come out. And this one's not really new. It's been around for a while. But I'm talking about the stems format um, from Native Instruments. And if you guys want to know what the stems format is, uh, essentially it's an audio file 
that um, allows itself to have embedded in it um, separate um, four separate streams. So you can have drums, you can have bass, you can have keys and vocals. And it's made for the DJ market where you can um, have a stem playing on one side on your A side and a stem from another song playing on another side and allow you to mix back and forth. So for instance, if you want to have the vocal line from one song and the bass from another, you can uh, you can do that. You can essentially have multi-channeled versions of your song available. And um, you can make them yourself now because that's a tool that got released. And they're selling it as a format that's going to be great for music, that's going to be great for DJs and things like that. And I looked at that, and I'll be honest, guys, I'm a little skeptical on the uh, on the whole thing. It's going to be great for DJs. I can see that. But, man, there's just – it's like – does nobody want to create anymore? I mean, just on the whole, the whole, just gut level. It's like, when can we stop, you know, reusing and remaking other people's stuff? When, when, when can we start being creative on our own? I mean, to me, that's the biggest thing. You know, this it's probably a great technology, but I just see this this sense of creativity just. You know, we're rehashing stuff over and over and over That's and remaking. I know, but see, it's like, why can't, why can't, look, why can't there be a DJ that gets in there and, and does some new stuff and doesn't have to use, the, I don't know. I, I just, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Let's call him a composer. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just, you know, really DJs are arrangers, right? I mean, that's what they're doing. They're, they arrange, you know, other bits of music together and, 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 into a new well, not new in a piece. remix. No, a, re- a remix. You're taking a track, and, and you're building, you know, a new sound bed around it. You know, there's a, basically what they do most of the time is they'll take a vocal and they'll just build up a new track around it. Right, re- I, 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 remix, but that's so. a remix. I mean, you know, I'm I'm all for uh, you know remixes and when you come up with new bass lines and you, you do stuff. I mean, I actually. I, I did a remix of one of Martin's tunes that um, I'm going to be releasing on SoundCloud. And and it was, you know, I redid the keys and, you know, I used his vocals and a few little bits and pieces. But, I mean, when you when you, you get the whole bass part, I don't know. I just, I think it's just, for me, what rubs me the wrong way is the fact that it, I, I wish people would be way more creative. Now, look, I don't want to sound like the old guy going, oh, these kids, <laughs> you know. But there just seems to be... Creativity and, and just being a musician, it, it's it just seems to be under attack. It just seems to be people don't care. It, I don't know. Well, it, for quite a while, Native Instruments' new products have been more towards that sort of DJ and editor kind of market as opposed to just creative tools. I mean, they still have the complete library with samples that a composer can actually use and that stuff. But a lot of their software is much more geared towards taking existing stuff and and using it. So it doesn't surprise me that they're doing this it's sort of a logical extension of it and right. if you have somebody who just wants to know that they can split out you know four stems of a song as opposed to having four different files they then have to sync up you know it's a convenience but it's uh i don't know i used to get excited when native instruments would be coming out with new sound libraries and new truly creative tools yeah 
Um, and there have been ways to store multiple tracks in a single wave file for a long time. So broadcast wave is multi. Yeah, for a long time it has been. Channels into something as unique. Yeah. It's just never caught on as a cool thing for DJs. So they'll end up assigning some sex appeal to it, and yeah, I mean, you know, basically, it popular. It's an interleaved, you know, broadcast wave kind yeah. of a thing where you can, uh, you know, split the parts out. I, I don't know what the actual wrapper is. They say it can be played on MP4 players, so well, I don't know if it's how that's delivered. But I'll tell you, it's. To me, it just seems like um, it just creativity. You know, there's let's say there's a really hot stem song that everybody gets. So that means we're going to be fed that same song in a mm-hmm. bunch of different ways. Well, don't a listen bunch of to it. Don't listen to it. I, I mean, here's the thing. Look, there will always be there will always be more and more and more technology and there will always be, I mean that, you know, the Pandora's box is open. People are going to be finding ways to be able to allow other people to be able to muck around with media, um, in different ways forever. And that's fine. Accept it. And that's, that's really okay. I think there will always be musicians because the human spirit will always cry to be expressed. And the result of that is that there will always be people who want to play guitar or drums or keyboards or sing or play a horn, you know, um, there will always be those people. There may not be as many of them, but it may very well be that a lot of the people who are DJs are people who maybe never would have been musicians in the first place and who would have done something else with their time instead. So I've heard some of that DJ stuff, and they shouldn't have been. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I can tell you what, in the public, the main result of the stems thing is going to be is you're going to be hearing even more remixes where the vocal's in one key, the bass is in another right. key, the <laughs> keyboards are in another key, and some non-musical clod has put the stuff together in a way where they thought it had a vibe, but for anybody with a musical ear, it's just torture. I mean, there's a good... Look, I'm not totally anti this format, right? I mean, there's some... It's just a file format. Right, I, mean, it's I know. It's not worth getting all well, that wrapped up. Hey, man. About. Hey, man. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to... When, when AIF and Waves were battling it out, I was really pissed when, you know... Waves seem to take over the broadcast world. Mm. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's time to sell that beta machine. And, uh, <laughs> That's <move> right. <laughs> no, but look, look. Here's the thing. One of the good things about Stems format is if you like a particular artist and they have a Stems version of their song, you could probably dissect how they do their bass, and you can dissect how they do. You know, being able to isolate some of this stuff, I think, is a really good learning opportunity to see. Yeah, it's going to be quite a while, I think, before you see any substantial like popular material released in that format that that's going to determine a lot you know what artists are going to release their stuff as stems does anybody else hear the noise yeah 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 Yeah. we thought it was just our headphones so we just changed the microphone right now that was like that was like a fireman drill. how do i sound i'm on a new mic now i know hello hello. that was pretty awesome hello if there's one thing this group of guys should be able to do is swap out a microphone yeah. See, I said something unflattering about Native Instruments, and they came and killed my mic. <laughs> they are very powerful. Anyway, the stems for – I mean, I'm not – like I said, I'm not totally anti. I'm just uh, – the bigger implications is, as far as um, music and being a musician, I just – you know what really kind of started this is I picked up a really great CD, the soundtrack to Walk in the Woods. Um, and I – have you guys heard of Lord Huron? It they're a really great band and they're just live players and they play and they sing. And it was just so refreshing to hear that, you know, and you, and that I just wish we had could cultivate more of a music musician 
environment as opposed to right now it's very DJ, very EDM. And I'm not anti that. I love electronic music. I love EDM. I love all that. But it just seems like, you know, when's the last time you've seen a band really, really kind of come out and, and make it? You, you know, you see a lot of the old bands making it and touring. And look, the fact that there's such a big market for those for the old bands, for the old acts, you know, most old acts that were around in the 80s can tour right now and actually do really well because of the fact that people just want to reconnect with some of this stuff. I don't know, Bobby, what do you think? I think there's as much new music, good new music as there ever was. However, the mainstream tastes have changed significantly. So what we're hearing on the radio, what we're hearing, what we're seeing in the major streaming networks that seem to be the big hits that's different and that's more electronic based and that's just reflecting the times i think so you're saying i'm a bitter old man back in the day when i was young (laughs) we didn't have file formats (laughs) that's right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i don't i just think you you know i will say something about stems one of the, the things that they do say though in their um, in their promo is, and you can make money by selling. Right, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. That got me a good laugh. Yeah, and that's always the pitch. I think that um, you know someone will make a company will make that um, there's some hidden revenue source in all of this, and I'm sure there's some people who are going to make some revenue, but it's not <laughs> it's not the main selling point of it. It's certainly not going to be one of those things that you're going to uh, put these up on iTunes. You're going to put them up on whatever and, and stream them. And uh, you know, I don't see that happening. I see DJs accepting this. So I it's think actually pretty cool for that. Yeah, I mean, for a DJ, this yeah. is this is awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you want to take your sound library, you get a bunch of stems in there. You basically could have a new show every night just by messing around with the stems. But I think, like Rob said, though, <laughs> you know, with the mismatched keys oh, and stuff like that, coming. it's it's you know, there's definitely that potential. But I think it's a great idea to you know, if you're a DJ, I think you you literally could make money as a DJ off this because you could just make your shows way more dynamic. Mike, know? did they say anything in the literature about? Whether it does beat syncing and whether it does real-time pitch shifting and that kind of stuff. So you can actually take two stems and have them be in sync with each other and maybe even in the same You know what? I, I can't imagine that you couldn't do that, much like you can automatically beat sync two MP3s even yeah. if it doesn't have a built-in. You know, yeah. So I'm sure you'll be able to do that. Now, the pitch, that's another thing I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I would imagine it would be whatever your software you're playing it with. Yeah. You know, But if you're using like Tractor or something like that, I mean, you'll be able to beat sync that stuff relatively easy it'll probably sound great i can't think of anything that sounds better than taking an already compressed file format and changing the pitch and or the tempo in real time what could possibly go wrong with that (laughs) anyway i i you know it's interesting like i said i have mixed feeling feelings oh there i see it's been a while (laughs) i have mixed feelings um but um i i said skeptical okay Mm-hmm. But I blew it on feelings. <laughs> um, partial credit. There you go. But uh, I just think it's you know we'll have to see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what kind of cool stuff. I mean, if you know if it ends up taking off, and next thing you know it, you've got a bunch of stems on your iPhone, and you're doing some really cool stuff real time. And you know, I'm all no. See, that's not the only one that's available. And I wish I could remember the name of this. And I just saw it over the last couple of days. There's another format coming out. 
and it does the same thing. It supplies stems. And, however, it's a consumer format, and they never say it's something for DJs. It's supposedly an interactive format, mm. and the whole idea was, well, the consumer can now download it and create their own mix, right. which I think is just totally crazy. Like, the consumer care less about that for the most part. So well, that, and that's existed for a while. There have been... Uh, oh, yeah. Like Peter Gabriel's album, you could download in that, the app. That's right, but this is so. like 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, this, is another, this is another format that's similar to Stems mm. that has just come out, mm-hmm. and that was the big selling point of it, which, you know, you look at it and you go, uh, I don't know that that many people really want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the average consumer could care less about that. Yeah, yeah, solution in search of a problem. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens as we move forward, and uh, it'll either be something really cool, or this moment will be the start of the decline of Western civilization. So, hey, uh, speaking of uh, technology, we're going to move forward um, to something that I'm really kind of interested in. And I know Scott was over at the presentation, and that's a uh, virtual reality. Um, and Scott, you went to the Oculus presentation, right, over at the uh, Dolby Theater? I did. I spent three days there. And uh, and give us a little update on uh, virtual reality. And he's virtually still there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what's actually wild is when you spend like 45 minutes with goggles on, then you take it off, you put your glasses on, and then you look at everybody else. There is a part of your brain that's like real or not real, <laughs> you know, because you're so used to looking in a virtual environment. You know, it's – I believe we're on the precipice of um, – a whole new form of absorbing and uh, utilizing entertainment and socializing. Um, I think people of a certain age are going to hate it and go, I don't see why we need it, go outside and play. And other people are going to take it, and um, I think it's kind of going to be the new genera- new form of, of many types of way of ingesting information. I think it's a great way to socialize where you're not in the same city. Skype kind of does it, but now all of a sudden you could do it in a 3D environment. You can interact with people that are not within your space, state, country. And you could, you know, for businesses, you can run Excel. Everybody can be in a boardroom and actually looking at the same sheet. You can, if you're away and you want to be with the kids, you can actually play with them in a playroom or you can watch TV together and talk to each other, and seeing each other's expressions. I did all this. It's not like it might happen. I already did it. Um, it's coming out, and there's, uh, it's going to be clunky. It's going to be a big old headset with a wire on it and in regards to uh, uh, Oculus Rift. Right. Um, then you've got Ocul- uh, Gear VR, which no. is Samsung phone popping in. Right, 100 bucks. You know, it's, and it's, yeah, we still going to get the phone. Right. But, you know, the question is, what about all the Apple users? You know, I talked to Samsung and recommended they come out with a device that's not tied to Verizon, ATT, or any of those. We just want to pop it in and work it via Wi-Fi. You know, it, it's it's a new area because you know, in LA, everybody has big houses and they have big theaters in their houses. They want to, and then everybody has rooms that they do things in. And in LA, I noticed that everybody finds ways to stay in their house. They have crafts rooms, they have home theater rooms, they got studios, everything to make you stay in the house. But if you're in London, and if you're in New York, and if you're in Tokyo, or if you're in places where it's not so great, the whole point, I believe, of entertainment is escapism. 
And this is going to allow people that don't necessarily want to be in the environments they're in to be somewhere else. Now, let me ask you a question. What is the, on the technical side of things, what's the development um, environment for audio? You know, is it game engines? Is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's what it is, and, and reason why I'm, I'm now heavily involved in it is because it's the meaning. Oops, it's the meaning of the two worlds that I participate in, of both gaming and and story content. Let's call it. Um, yeah, I mean, right now the Unreal Engine Unity is pretty popular, right? Um, and uh, you know, Weiss is, is stepping up a little bit. You know, what it comes down to is. You know, we're going back to what we, what I used to do when I first started my career, which was binaural. Uh, you're using HRTF as really uh, uh, the, the, the technology, and everyone's coming out with their version of it. Here's the thing, though, is that um, it's great, but when we create content, as we know in post-production, the world is actually a sonically unpredictable and kind of boring place. Mm-hmm. Aka, if two people punched cars, things that just it just doesn't have what you think it's going to sound like. Hollywood has kind of helped define what you're used to hearing, even though it's not true. Fast and Furious cars would not sound as cool as they do. Explosions and gunshots would not sound like they do. So the whole point is, I think right now there's a part of, of VR that's like we want to make it realistic, even though it's 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 not exactly. Uh, totally realistic the whole point is do you want it to sound real or do you want it to sound exciting and the, well, the whole point is we're trying to tell a story or we're trying to create an experience well I'll tell you what from the games that I've played and I've played with the Gear VR um, and like uh, I've played um, Dread Halls I don't know if you played that at all it's the horror game that first came out when uh, Gear VR came out Originally, which let me just tell you, the graphic the graphics looked like um, Amiga, <laughs> you know. Well, but, but, wait, wait, but, wait. but the experience was freaking amazing. I mean, I I I felt scared. I had all this. You, you walk down these halls, and you just you just you're everywhere you look, you're immersed in this thing, and. Something's going to pop out at you that's going to look like a 16-bit, you know, monster from years ago, you know, from Ultima like three, but it scares the bejeebies out of you, and it's it's so it, it's really immersive. It's really cool, and the audio was huge in that because of the of the uh, the shock factor of it being right then and there. You, you know, know? I, I've seen. I went to both VRLA and Oculus Connect, and very two different experiences. I think that I've seen a lot of stuff that, to be honest, is very good. Um, I I experienced some stuff at Oculus Connect that blew my mind. Uh, there's something called Bullet Train that Epic did as a demo proof of concept and where you can do time control and teleportation. So what you would do is guys shoot at you, you slow down time, you grab the bullets, you reverse them, aim it back at the person who shoots you, teleport behind them, grab a gun, shoot them from behind, and everything hits at once. Imagine everybody playing this. Oh. It's oh, and it's so fast, Crazy. and and you're you're jumping up and down and moving, and and someone took some pictures on my Facebook page, and they put it up, and you know, <laughs> and it's and it's a workout. It's quite a workout. The other one, you know, so that's a video game, and that's something that you're in a train station, and the graphics are as good as anything you've seen on a video game. I was surprised. I wasn't expecting, and that was on the Oculus Rift. Uh, I wasn't expecting anything to be that good. Well, that's which is also um, PC based, though. It's not absolutely, fun, but there's, fun based. and that's going to. Uh, really support the people that are dealing with Steam. 
Yeah. You know, all those people that like to play in that, in that paradigm. Um, the other thing that, that I did on VR Gear is that uh, Chris Milk did this wonderful documentary. Forget about video games for a second. And it's important because you know, with all this immigration of people coming from Syria, what he did was he took a documentary team to a Syrian camp in Lebanon. And you get to be there. A little girl narrates it, what it's like to be in the camp. And you're where they sleep, where they eat. She describes it all, where she goes to school, where the guys work out. So if you've ever wanted to know what it is, so here's something that's not video games. It's right. not gimmicky. Right. But it's the power of a documentary, especially that's very relative to what's happening in the world right now. Yeah, the video on the immersive video is phenomenal. It's, it's an experience that you, it almost seems kind of magical, right? Because you, you're watching video and everywhere you turn, it's, it's, it's all in real time. Things are happening. It's not like a picture where, you know, you, you see a picture, the old, if you ever went to the old, um, you guys ever go to the arcades like 15 years ago where they had that stand that you can get into and play um, – you play a shoot up shooting game with another person and they would be in a stand. It looked like, uh, you know, uh, uh-huh. just VR circa 1985. Yeah. Anyhow, where this is so vivid and it's so real and it's like, it's like watching TV but it's TV 360 around you. It's such an, a powerful experience. And then know? the other one they did which was very popular called Henry and that's also on the Oculus Rift. Where it's basically a, it's even though it's not by Pixar, it's very Pixar-ish, and it's a whole complete twenty-five, thirty-minute story. You watch it about this little porcupine, and you're like, "Holy, this is this is." You know what it is? It's you know everyone goes. If you're if you're in VR, how do you how do you have the audience view what you want them to view? The reality, I think, is in VR, it's not about three hundred and sixty; it's about two hundred and seventy in degrees. Yeah. It means everything on the sides, everything you're looking at. Because what happens is in a film, you're looking through a window and you're a voyeur. What happens is, and you're watching what's going on over there. In VR, let's just call it VR 270. Because you don't really care what's behind you. You look behind you, there's a room, but the action's all in front of you. So that's where you're going to be really uh, spending most of your time paying attention. But what's nice is you're in the room... And, and it's a just brilliant little thing that came in where you're at this little party with a, a porcupine and the concept was that he can't make any friends because he has the needles. So they, you know, all his balloon friends and balloon animals try to find a way because he keeps popping balloons that he can play with somebody because he's lonely. So he looks at you and you're sitting at his party table with him and he talks to you and he waits and they find a, a companion for him. Anyway, it's, it's wonderful and, and it's as good as any Pixar well, I think um, I think if you're into audio right now, you know, keep your eye out on uh, on VR audio because I think it's going to be a pretty big film. And, and I Netflix think just announced during the conference that they are now going to be exporting VR. Yeah, and actually, which would be kind of cool. And the and the way you do that on uh, with Netflix is basically you're going to be. It's not going to be immersive films, but you're going to be able to be in an environment and then watch the film. Yeah, we, we, did, we basically did it there, and this is on uh, Gear VR. And then uh, what it is is you're in a little uh, somebody's home theater. Right. And there's five of you, and you've got little avatars, but you can talk to each other. So, and, then, and, and, and people go, yeah, why would you do that? Because a lot of times you can't be home with your kids. Yeah. Or your kids want to play with other kids, or what happens to the kids that are sick? Also, there's a whole baby boomer process 
where people's bodies are going to be breaking down and they want to be somewhere else. Yeah. But where they are, yeah. all of a sudden, the, the version of escapism yeah. where I see it happening, I think it's going to go viral. It's you know what VR this time around, and I was there for VR yeah. back in the day. Yeah. This time around, it's going to work because it it hits you on an emotional level that it's never hit you before, and the the technology is there. And let's face it, it wasn't there back in the I day. Mean, the technology is almost there. I think it's at the Let beginning stages. It's at the beginning stages. I think five years from now, oh, an be- Oculus Rift, Rift is going to be 4K in each eye, running 60 or 100 right. frames a no, second. And at right. that point, all of like the seasickness will go away, and all of the other issues that you have due but, to slow frame rates and other problems like that. Right. Well, what's important now is the fact that it's it's good enough for the launching point. And right. also, I think that you know what I was really proud of when I sat through all these guys who were filmmakers and the people that were creating it, they know their limitations. So they're not going to try to make a face look like a face and say, yeah, doesn't it look like a face? They're not, they're, they're, that's why they're doing strange avatars and they're making it fun. So they know the limitations, they're working right. within the limitations, so you're not even going to notice, strangely enough, the limitations. But you'll ask questions like, well, wouldn't it be great if you see photographic quality mm-hmm. of somebody's face? And they'll go, can't happen yet. Well, it's the whole uncanny valley thing, right? You know, Tom Hanks in uh, Polar Express, for example, yes, where it, it was creepy and scary, even though it was Tom Hanks. But, but even silly, just... is like when they were talking about, and this is kind of the way audio works as well through d- data compression, is do I need to have the same resolution behind me that I have in front of me? Yeah. Or when I move my head, because you only got 4K in, in a sphere, not in a, in a straight line. Right. So the whole point is they're working out these really cool data streams and compression schemes where when they look forward, you see in a higher resolution. Yeah. And then when you look behind or areas that don't matter, yeah. that's a lower resolution. The cool thing, too, is right now if you can download these tools and you can start messing around with it. So you can download the Unreal Engine. You can download Unity. Um, so I would encourage people to do it. If you, and the consumers, if you, it comes out within six months. Yeah. All of this, all the goggles, because we got one. So we've, we got all this equipment, and it's, it's coming to a store near you. Yeah. And Valve is doing some great stuff yeah. where, you, where you combined the visuals, but then their system works in, uh, in the 3D space because of the way they have the sensor set up where you'll be able to move your body and move the goggles in, in real time. So Oculus it's, has it, Samsung has it, yeah. uh, uh, um, Valve has it, Sony's got it, yeah. and you're going to probably have half a dozen different hardware options. And they're all going to be brilliant. I mean, they're, you know, one of them is obviously going to take the lead. Yeah. We'll see which one it is, um, but it's going to be pretty exciting. So I would, I would encourage you to, to learn about that. And if you're in post-production, things like that, like I'm kind of reading up on it, and, and I've actually downloaded both these engines because I want to, you know, you, you got to stay fresh and you got to, you know, you want to be that person who knows, you know, how to do this stuff and how to, how to create this stuff. And I'll tell you one thing that, that VR, um, right off the bat, what you really notice is your BGs, your backgrounds are really important. <laughs> no, they, re- and they oh, yeah. really yep. are because they're going to always be there. They can't get in the way, but they really will bring to life whatever it is that you, and also reverb. Say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Being able to create dimension Z plane. Absolutely, because that's what's going to. Right now, everything's within a single plane of left and right, but now you want depth of field. And what's interesting, though, with that is how it's going to relate to music, because new technology is going to come out. And now, even within stereo, you might want to say, I do want to hear the orchestra 20 feet away, even if it's not. Right. 
So now you can start placing things within a multi-spatial environment with a Z-plane. Well, I'm waiting for tools that allow you to define your reverb in, in virtual space with limitations. As opposed to reverberating the whole way, I want it to only reverberate, let's say, 30 degrees on my left-hand side because I want the sound of what's happening in the other room over there only to emanate Phoenix from, and R2 from actually already does that. The multi-channel reverb, what they do is you say, I want it to come from the left side, and the sound will actually generate from the left side. But I'm talking in a, in a, in a binaural situation. Right, but then you take that. that reverb and then throw it through the binaural encoder, and guess what you got? You've got exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> At least in theory. Well, in theory. I mean, but I, I mean, but those are the kind of tools that are going to be coming out. I, yeah. I think your um, binaural recording is going to be really important. As a matter of fact, if you want to know about binaural recording, I don't know what show it is, but we did a whole show with Gary Mraz, who does a bunch of um, binaural recording. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, he has uh, Studio Voodoo. Studio Voodoo, and yeah. he had a couple different. Um, um, uh, Records and CDs that were binaural recording, and and uh, we talked about this back in the day, which seems like yesterday, but that was probably about eight, eight years yeah. ago. I, I was, was doing binaural, and, and Rob can attest to this because we had all the weird Q sound and all the different things mm-hmm. we played with the Roland RSS. Yes. So what happened was we did that all, I'd say, twenty five years ago. But here's the thing, though: we tried in theater, tried in speakers. Theaters don't work because nobody's in the sweet spot right. in that center, and the Phantom Center barely exists. Um, and speakers, uh, the acoustics of the room suck, and nobody's really in the great sweet spot. The best place for ambisonics and binaural to really work is in headphones. However, in the past, nobody used headphones because there was really no need to as a popular product unless you're at the gym. Right. So now with, with VR goggles, it has to be with headphones. Oh, cool. So now all of a sudden, it's perfect. Yeah. You know, now, now it can blossom and... And the tools, the computers will be getting powerful enough, you know, tablets will be getting powerful enough that all of the HRTF kind yeah. of stuff that needs to happen, all of the reverb and low-pass filtering and stuff to be able to create occlusion, to be able to, if you're creating a virtual world and you have an ambient emitter, you've got a water fountain that's inside of a room, and then you walk outside of the room, and the system knows what the reverb is supposed to sound like inside the room and what it sounds like outside the room, and sort of the stuff that you're talking about, Mike. Yep. Rather than you having to sit there and say, I'm going to you know, adjust this ambisonic thing so that you know it's a 30-degree angle, it's not going to be any of that. It's right. going to be that water fountain is inside of that room that's a 10 foot by 10 foot room with concrete surfaces and it figures the rest of it out Which and, is, and, and that's the key in that it's not about pre-rendering yeah it's about it all that has in real time in real time well, exactly that's, and that's the way some of those audio engines are anyhow you know what i'm saying yeah. you basically yes. it's up object oriented programming you say this object is happening here and but it's going to figure Dolby's out what's got their happen. atmos on headphone yeah that they've just that yeah. they've coming out i mean everybody's running to the well and then offering, or everyone's running to the gold mine with shovels. Um, but you know what's great, though, is there's a lot of huge indie market. And that's where I'm excited. I mean, Fox is going big, NASA is going big. Um, uh, the new Martian, um, uh, the, the new movie Martian. Yep. Um, they have a whole VR part to that coming out. That's awesome. So there's a lot of people that are running because, you know, I've got an 11 year old son and he likes to use his iPad. Films? Yeah, maybe. TV, yeah, maybe. I think the way that we're ingesting entertainment for the new generation is very different than the old generation. Well, 
keep your eye on the tools. Keep your eye on the technology. We're going to keep up with it. It's going to be something really cool. Um, the tools are out there. I recommend you get yourself familiar with it because it's a really good market for you to, to get into. Mike, can I, um, can I jump, jump in one second on that very quickly? Uh, no, I was about to just totally end this whole – yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, absolutely everybody on my audio team at Disney either knows how to be able to use – you know, audio and emitters and things inside of Unity, or they're learning how to be able to do in that Unity? Yeah. in Unity. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Use, we use Fabric, but oh, you okay. Know. No, but the point is, but that Unreal's better. I, I understand that, but okay. <laughs> we can we can we can have the arms race about that stuff later. The I point that I'm wanting to make death match right there. No, the point yeah. that I, yes, Unreal is better. The point that I wanted to make um, is that people who are audio production professionals now, people in their 30s and their 40s understand that it's no longer enough just to be able to, you know, record dialogue well or be able to make sound effects well or be able to make music well. It's really important to be able to focus on the interactivity side of that as well. And so if you understand how it is that Unity and Unreal and all these other engines work, that will give you a leg up on people who don't. And I guarantee you that all the 20-year-olds that are in audio school are learning how to be able to wire all of that stuff up. Absolutely. Or maybe not, because I don't. I, there's a lot of audio schools that aren't nearly that progressive, and it's going to be the 20 year old who goes out there and learns it on their own, and then it'll start kind of trickling down. But anyhow, hey, listen, we're going to take a break, uh, and then when we come back, we've got some more stuff that we're going to talk about. So we'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the L.A. area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back to the Audio Nowcast. And before the break, we were talking about VR and the and how awesome it's going to be. So, uh, yeah. We're and during the break, too. Yeah, yeah, I know, really. You guys, you, <laughs> you missed an amazing during the break. I don't know if it was amazing, but boy, was it ever a... The uh, throwdown. I like Unity. I like Unreal. I like Wise. I like FMOD. Ah! Ex- exactly. I yeah, couldn't have said it better. I like that. Hey, Spromidus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, really quick. We're going to move move on. Um, one thing I want to talk about is... Uh, and actually, I'm going to have Colin come out here for a second because uh, I want to... I want him to to talk about something that he did this summer that is really interesting. Our good buddy Colin went on his first tour. He was on he's on the road for uh, for a couple a couple weeks. Why don't you we take your mic away so just share Scott's. Gentlemen. But yeah. <laughs> so Colin engineers the podcast. He's really cool and uh, he was on tour, and not the way that you think he you think uh, he toured. He was actually. Why don't you tell him what you did this summer? I was selling merch on the Vans Warp Tour, which was a giant uh, festival. Basically, it's a tour, but they have generally about a hundred bands on it, and they go from city to city, like most tours. And I was doing festival style merch every day for twenty one days. How many shows do you guys do? Uh, in the 21 days I was on tour, there were 17 shows. 17 shows in 21 days. Wow. And, and what was the the most? What was the best selling merch item? Uh, 
that's it's weird. I'm actually working for a professional photographer who was made famous by touring with the bands on these tours. So it's a kind of a weird merch item in the first place. Um, but we had tie-dye cat t-shirts that did really well. Tie-dye cat t-shirts? <laughs> Indeed. Wow. Was so, the cat t- tie-dyed or was the t-shirt tie-dyed with a picture of a cat on it? Uh, the latter. Okay. Yes. So, so the reason why I wanted you to, to come out here, number one, because I wanted to talk a little bit about um, money making, because we always talk about you know things more than just music. So merchandise is really big. The second thing is he was on his first tour, and I know Rob, we both can relate to being on our first mm-hmm. tour. And uh, Colin said something that was interesting. It was the what was the first thing you told me about the tour? Oh, it was the hardest work I ever did in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, I mean, it was amazing. There's nothing like being on the road like that, but 10 to 12 hour days every day with, you know, maybe an hour of personal time, but that personal time's on a bus with eight or nine other people. It's it's crazy. It's the closest <laughs> thing to running away with the circus. It really is. It really is. Um, and so let me. So you did all the merch. You you set it up. You did the whole thing. You ran the booth, and yep. then uh, and then what else did you do? Just I mean, I, I, I'm an inspiring photographer, so every chance I got, I was trying to shoot anything I could, whether it was on stage or off stage. Um, but really, there wasn't a lot of extra time. We would unload the truck at 8 a.m., we would start loading it again at 8 p.m., and then after the time, by the time we were finished loading the truck, I would have maybe an hour or two before bus call, and generally I'm trying to find a shower or some food at that point. Did you get a, anybody ever get oil spotted? Oil spotted. Oh yeah, that's when you walk out and you see an oil spot where the bus was. Oh no! <laughs> so you called it oil spotted. Not while uh, I was there. Because no. uh, some of those drivers, I mean, I've been on tours where it's like the the tour manager would say, you know, eight thirty lobby call. You better be there at eight twenty because mm-hmm. at eight thirty lobby call usually meant you're on the bus, and if you got there at eight thirty, you're barely making it. If you got there at eight thirty five, guess what? The bus is gone, and now you have to figure out how you're going to get to the venue because you're on tour. That's your job. You better get there and and do your job. It was more than once you see a you know drum tech or a keyboard tech running in after they spent 50 bucks on a taxi to get to the <laughs> to get to the venue i heard a lot of those stories there was definitely a lot of repeating cautionary tales and the the main one was don't go number 2 on the bus but the second one was <laughs> don't miss the bus time uh, did anybody accidentally put their shoes in the aisle at night um, yes, but that was not a problem on our bus. Everyone yeah, because, did, actually. Because usually if you do that, they won't be there the next morning. <laughs> really? So. Oh, buses were, pr- were just ripe for pranks and stuff like that. Well, it wasn't a prank when, when I was doing it. It was, it was um, a social nicety, essentially. You, <laughs> you, you wouldn't leave your, you wouldn't leave anything in the aisle because if you did, it wouldn't be there the next morning. It'd be off the bus. You know, that's it's so funny. You get on a bus tour, right? Isn't it amazing how each bus tour, each bus has its own little rules, right? Because obviously, like on his tour, that wouldn't have, on his bus wouldn't have been a problem. On your bus, it was. Every bus has its own, like, 
you know, back in the day when smoking was a big thing, it was like you never smoked in the uh, in your bunk. You just don't smoke in the bunks or in that area. You smoke in the front lounge or in the back lounge, things like that. It's it's you know, tour man. It's just crazy, right? And how many people were on your bus? Eight, nine? Um, I mean, officially there's eight bunks, but um, there were a few points where we picked up a whole band's worth of girlfriends, so we had 12 or 13. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cullen gets the rock and roll experience. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it definitely got pretty crazy at some points. Uh, what was, like, the low... That, what was the highlight of the of the tour? Oh, man, that's uh, hard to say. Um it was a lot of fun overall. I mean, I was kind of a backseat to a lot of the partying just by having to work all day, every day, and not everyone on the tour was doing the same thing. So um, I don't know. There wasn't really one specific point. Just kind of being involved with the community of the whole tour was just awesome. What was the average age of the people on the tour that were doing uh, – that were not musicians? That were not musicians. Um, yeah. So the support staff, uh, Kevin Lyman, the, the founder of the tour, he's been doing it for decades now. So most of them were older. Everyone managing the stages were, were older guys. But then you'd have the bands were all, you know, average low 20s. Even the tour managers and the band managers were all low 20s. But then, like, the, the veteran stage handlers and people running the actual show had been doing it for a long time. Because what what you'll find is the... The average road dog who's been doing it for a long time, it's it's a job to him. It, it, it's a gig, and fun never enters into it. Really, it's it's just a gig, and you know you do your gig, and, and you go, and you find some time by yourself if you can, and otherwise. Blinders on everything. You made some miserable people. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's really you re- true. You really do. I mean, I, guys yeah. have been doing it way too long. Yeah. yeah. It's touring is one of those things where you want to get into it, but the real secret is when do you get out of it? Yes, that's right. That's absolutely right. You have to time your exit. Like, I timed my exit when I hit 30. When I hit 30, I started looking for a way out because I wanted to be able to have a career when I was in my late 40s, you know, and you'd be able to, I've been doing this for 18 years or whatever, you know. So I kind of got out the right time, but I know some people that that have, that were touring when I was touring and they haven't got out yet. And it's like, now you can't get out. You can't get out of the game because... Where are you going to go? Exactly. Exactly. So, just remember that, Colin. It's it's when you get out. (laughs) All right, well, I wanted to bring Colin in and uh, let him just say a little bit because, you know, these are all different opportunities that are out there and and merch, you know, if you want to go on the road and join the circus and be bitter like Rob. Wait, no. No, I started off bitter and I've mellowed. (laughs) (laughs) That's a... Well, you uh, toured with me for plenty of years. I I know. That mixture of bitter and... But you know what? That that was a Stevie tour, which is not like any tour ever. It just had its own unique things so um i've done the bus tour the bus tours are to me were the were the best tours because you you basically especially if you get along with the people it was also some of the worst times too but i hated the bus tours give me a hotel and an yeah. airplane and yeah, I'm much better. but yeah, there was yeah. you know when you're young though and like when you're young and you're on a bus i mean you're on a tour bus it's like you know what that had a lure for me for like three days yep and then um, i was over it and it was a six-month tour so three days was not the majority. Colin, how long was that that vibe with you? I mean, I've done van tours before, um, so being on a bus was a huge step up and very romanticized idea for me. But mm. then, 
again, after a week on a bus with eight people of, you know, smelly shoes in the aisle, it's not at all glamorous anymore. No. Okay, well, maybe I just I used to hate waking right up in those bunks. They felt like coffins to me. Mm. Like I, sleeping on the bus, that used to, I used to be all claustrophobic. I, see, I got the best sleep on the bus. There's something Same. about Same. when you're, you're in the middle of nowhere and you just finished a, a, a long show and you lay in your bunk and it slowly is rocking you yeah. back and forth. You know what else yeah. works for that? Locking your door at the Four Seasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that oh, works too. On. I'll tell you the other thing, too. Where you can do a number two. Exactly. <laughs> All night if you want. <laughs> and you can put your shoes anywhere you want. Did they do a... So was your bus tour, was your schedule where the bus would do the long hauls overnight? So their drivers are, are working from like, uh, you know, 10 to like 8 in the morning the next day? Yeah, like we had designated drivers and they wouldn't show up until 15 minutes before bus time. Yeah. So did you ever, like, sometimes I really liked... If I couldn't sleep, I would get up and go sit with the bus driver and kind of just, you know, talk to him and you're enjoying being out in the middle of Nowheresville. See, that is a romantic part of touring, you know, seeing all these lights out in the middle of Kansas thinking, man, there's somebody that lives there. It's yeah, not man. you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to move on. But thanks a lot. And uh, pleasure being here for uh, for filling us in. Um, oh, bus tours. See? Back when I was a kid. <laughs> hey, we're gonna, one thing I want to talk about, well, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. We're, we're not going to hit them all, but um, I did want to talk about um, this last thing because I had somebody uh, ask me this question, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to bring it up to the panel. We talk a lot about clean audio, and we talk a lot about um, things that we can do to clean stuff up. I want to know what you guys do to destroy your audio when you have to make things dirty when you have to make things grimy when you have to make things just for one reason or another whether it's you need to blow out something for an effect of a blown out horn speaker in a pa system or you need to just do something that's a little bit more destructive um guys have any tips any things that you do any things that you go to you know yeah Speakerphone is the first one that immediately yeah, that's comes that's that came to my mind yeah. too. Yeah, audio e speakerphone. You have so much control over. It's you know, it's a, uh, it's it's basically like a convolution reverb, except it's a convolution processor to go through speaker cabinets, and then it's got additional distortion and various and sundry other plugins, you know, EQ and other filters and things that you can put in. It's great. And the other part, though, I think that in sound design has become quite popular is saturators. Yeah. So. I mean, I love uh, the UAD stuff, getting a studer or getting the waves, you know, up. And all of a sudden, you, you know, put Scotch 250 in it, buy a Sub 3 Plus, and all of a sudden start hitting it and slamming it. Because you take a gunshot or even a good drum and you smash it into it, the normal tape compression that happens adds just a very pleasant distortion to it that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, makes things fast. So you're talking about some of those plugins. Like uh, like from Pro Tools. I mean, uh, what's the one in? Uh, well, Waves has one. Um, what's that one called? Used to be uh, Tape or not Tape. What's the Waves? What was Waves Tape? McDSP has one. Yeah, that's the analog stuff. They yeah, have analog. they have the console, and then they have the tape simulator. Right, right? and then you've analog. got Slate. Everyone's come out. Waves has their own little I bus. Mean, my favorite you know, is Tape Head uh, from Massey Plugins. Yeah, I mean, my, my, I think great. my favorite, to be honest, out of all of them is the UAD. So you would just gives you Studer and it gives you effects, and you would just slam Apex. slam the bejeebies into them, right? slam just, the crap out of it. Just St- things that you would never think about really doing. Right, you put it in there until you go, okay, now I don't like it anymore. And then you know, there's again similar to what you were saying, speakerphone is trash. 
Yeah. That's neat. Isotope. Yeah. And then, you know, and then what I find is sometimes even like the, the Waves Neve stuff, it adds kind of a, a grittiness to mm-hmm. it in a really pleasant way. It's, you know, and then there's all the guitar amp yeah. plugins that saturate and distort. And Sans amp. Doesn't that come free with Pro Tools now, the Sans amp plugin? I don't know. I don't know. I've had it for so long that, yeah. that could, if you mix that to taste, much. it can be okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, I like using it in a parallel format, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you just get a little hair that you're adding yeah. to the sound. But what if you really want to, like, okay, those are all saturations, a lot of overmodulation, things like that, but... What if you want to take that sound and really mangle it, like on a granular level? I mean, Ooh. I like Salty Dog. Salty Dog. Yeah, the VST plugin. I haven't seen that one. I, I, I mean, is it Salty Great? Salty Dog. I, I'm a big fan of my iPad with Curtis. I still that's a quick and easy way to mangle anything, just yeah. just on a granular level. Um, what about you, Rob? What have What have you used to to really I mean, mangle and for, manhandle? Well, for mega mangling, I'm usually flying things into samplers and doing. Yeah. Crazy stuff in samplers, but for not mega mangling lately, I've actually been using like uh, a lot of the pop stuff. I've been doing the lead vocals. It's been nice if there's been just a little bit of edge added to them, and the isotope nectar stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, is really musical and really good yeah. for a way of just adding some edge without taking anything away from it, and it's super musical. For extreme mangling, I mean, I've done a lot with speakerphone. I'll often use. A lot of hardware, you know, the even tied eight thousand, and just call up weird random stuff and sample it. And uh, I, I don't have one particular go to tool for that thing. Right. I, I sort of set up my whole arsenal and just sort of go crazy. Just kind of, I kind of mangle everything I do, and so it's I'm surprised. But when that's it comes not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, one thing I found um, a good way to mangle audio is I'll I'll throw a, a sound up and I'll go to like I'll use paths and see what their analyzer and see where their frequency are and I'll look where the dominant frequencies are and I'll pull that out and then I'll just overmodulate what's left and sometimes you can get some really cool things by taking away the fundamental frequencies of a particular sound and then just you're left with you know a lot of times I'll be honest it's in the high mids and the and the highs where you see that thing just spike so you take those away and mangle overmodulate what's left and you have this really nice thick gross sound that can can use as a little sweetener. You know, another one you can also use is instead of the paz uh ozone isotopes ozone or a fab filter uh, all of their stuff has uh spectral graphs on it yeah. and what's great is you go oh look there's a little bump take it out thank you very much but of course there's clean up stuff than the other way around yeah so yeah it's uh, for me it was just really quick and easy to see what's going on oh yeah inside you can see that too and you know you can see where, where that's why i love about eqs that show you what you're seeing yeah so can imagine paths built into all multi-band compressors, compressors, EQs, so you can see visually. Ozone's really cool for that. Right. And FabFilter and Ozone are, like, just the killer. FabFilter's become pretty popular in post, and, and Ozone's amazing. So, I mean, it, they're both really quite nice. Um, I use, uh, I got hold on, I got to get the. And Ozone uh, Pro, the by the way, breaks it out where you can just have the EQ only, mm-hmm. rather than just having the, you know, the fat full. Um, I use from New Gen Audio, and that's what I thought. Yeah. I had to make sure that this is the name, but the uh, the SEQ S. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's just it's it's and you know EQ on steroids, and it shows you all what's happening in real time. But it's just you can get in there, and 
I'm a big fan of using EQ to clean stuff up, but you can also just mangle stuff with with EQ. You can change its character you tremendously. Can, That's can, the first. Yeah, EQ yeah. and compression can just do wonders Absolutely. to get just ugly, ugly sound. Um, also, you know, if you're doing um, a distorted vocal, you know, same thing. You get in there with a, with an EQ. I mean, obviously, it's built into speakerphone, but sometimes. Like with speakerphone and some of that, that's really quick and fast. But I find if you dig a little harder and use some of these other techniques, you can get some pretty cool sounds that, you know, isn't just a preset away. You know? No, I, I mean, you know, when I have enough time, I really sure. like running stuff through yeah. a guitar amp and re-recording it yeah. again. Yeah. And that's fun. Taking and, and, sound effects or vocals or those things and running them through a guitar amp and distorting the crap out of them. Also, I like the going to Native Instruments stuff and then using some of their stomp boxes and stuff. Sure. I was going to say, using... Uh, a For reactor. a lot of dance stuff I've been doing using uh, Machine yeah. is really cool yeah. because of the it's a great host for all of their effects plugins and it's really easy to do not just crazy effects but uh, beat sync stuff too. So that's cool. if you have like some crazy reverb that's feeding crazy distortion and compressors and then you also want it to be you know gated according to a, a beat or ducked according to the beat, a Machine makes that really easy. What about um, I don't know if you guys do this but. Starting with your fundamental sound, and if you just really want to record it poorly, <laughs> getting a crappy little microphone, you know, and uh, and recording it with that, and then taking that sound and and doing fun, amazing things with that. You know, what we still do. Uh, years ago, Andrew Sheps turned me onto it, but there was the company that built amplifiers into cigarette packs. Right, you exactly. remember those things? Yeah, yeah. We still use that, where you just hook a mic to the cigarette pack, record it, or play a sound through that mic, through the cigarette pack, and then mic the cigarette pack and record that sound. Because it's just an amazing distortion that no simulator can really do. And you know what? There's that fine line between mangle and sound design. <laughs> really. Well, yeah. You know? Because it's just a judgment call. If it sounds cool, then you just say you did it on purpose. And if it doesn't sound cool, it was a mistake. <laughs> well, There's no rules. Things like, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, you know, when you record stuff with contact microphones are going to have a totally different characteristic, you know, than, than recording things with a regular microphone. And, and sometimes it, uh, some pleasant things happened and sometimes not so pleasant things well, happened. Sometimes you discover sounds that you never would have noticed before recording it with a microphone because it was just sounds that were, you know, sort of in the vibration that you pick up. You know, oh, you yeah. can record an air conditioning unit with a contact microphone and all of a sudden there are things in there that you never would have known and you recorded it, you know, 192K and then drop it down two or three octaves and you've got yourself the world's coolest sound design ambience. You know, we've done also, we've rec- we've used an underwater microphone. Really? Yes. Like in a, like we'll be recording a sound, you know, we would be doing crazy sound effects in the kitchen and we'd actually put the underwater mic in the kitchen sink underwater and then have people like scream at the sink and, and do all these loud sounds near the sink and record it from the underwater perspective of the mic. Really cool what, stuff. What makes a, a mic an underwater microphone? Is it's it a just, special is kind. It, I know. Yeah. Is it just because it's waterproof or is there actually... It's, hy- it's basically a contact mic. It's a hydrophone. Okay. Yeah. and It, it just it, looks like a blob with a wire coming out of it usually. Yeah. But, um, yeah. You can also do it but. <laughs> Rolling a condom over an SM57. <laughs> you better make sure that uh, if you don't have a hydrophone, you just better what? make sure you don't like your SM57 that Any much. mic can be an underwater mic for about a tenth of a second. <laughs> <laughs> the trick is getting it to last longer. Bobby, what about you? You ever have to distort or any mangle your audio? What, what do you like to do? God, I hate doing that. I mean, I, honestly. I, uh, but, but it's different because I don't do sound effects or anything, so I don't have to. And frankly, I remember in the 90s, it was a really big 
popular thing to do to distort vocals. Everybody was in the putting, verse. Like the verse would be the small distortion, the chorus. Yeah, would be the and they'd be you know wanting to record through um, you know a fuzz box and stuff like that. And I hated every single moment of, of that. So I, I'm not a big fan, to be honest with you. That being said, if I have to do something like that, I like an 1176 on nuke mode. <laughs> <laughs> and if you push it hard enough, you'll get some nice distortion that's kind of musical. So, I mean, that's what I'll Distressor do. Distressor was also good for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Distressor. Really good. Yeah. You know what a lot of times we'll do, too, is we'll do a parallel distortion. So you'll have your clean vocal... Mm still pristine and then there'll sure. be second channel of it that's distorted and you can you know play with how much of it you want that way that's a different sound than going through a distorter and not distorting as much if you have the super distorted sound and the clean sound and mix them it's a different yeah. different yeah. vibe actually sometimes you use a little bit of that fuzz behind it it sounds really pleasant makes it well that's really what good. nectar kind of does yeah. for vocals just that's the thing i like about so it's much so isotope stuff it. it does things that you could do other ways right. it just makes them so easy like if you're doing a male lead vocal on a real aggressive sound, song, it's it's not bad to have a little fuzz behind him on a second track. A lot know? of times it really helps the mix. It just makes it yeah. sit. If there's a lot of distorted guitars and stuff, it just makes it helps it sit. That's that's true. That is so true. Because there's nothing harder than trying to mix vocals against a wall of guitars. I mean, that is like when I listen to a really good rock mix like that. Oh, it's it's just amazing. Um, I'm just in awe sometimes because it, it, you got to keep that metal vibe feel going, and then mm-hmm. you have that singer trying to come up right down the middle and, and compete on have just as much energy on that. It's, you know what? An old plugin is actually L1. L1 adds a certain boost and slight distortion to the sound that puts a bite on it. Slight distortion? <laughs> I well, but, well, I mean, but you're talking when you're talking about yeah. amps and, yeah, and, no, and no. you're talking about all these other things. Because a lot of times I'll use different types of compressors to help cut through a mix. Not to limit or compress anything, but because I like the grit and the, and the harmonic accent that it adds to it. That, and that combining it back to itself just puts a little bit of hair on, on that sound. That's true. I was um, doing I was doing some Star Wars stuff the other day, and I was recording pew, some. Pew. Yeah, I was going pew pew. I was <laughs> I was trying to get dialogue, uh, you know, that had been recorded clean to sound like it was coming through a hologram, right? So it was like you know somebody was talking and it wasn't crystallizer. <laughs> no, what I ended up doing was I made two tracks because I needed it to be I needed the dialogue to be able to be really really audible over the music and the sound effects right. and everything. So I took my main track. And the good old Digidesign sci-fi ring modulator is perfect for Star Wars stuff, particularly if you use a little bit of LFO so that the actual frequency of the ring mod is changing up and down a little bit slowly. It totally sounds like Star Wars. So you do that, ran it through some speakerphone um, to be able to make it sound like the guy was speaking through a radio. However... At that point, it became a little bit too much, and it was a little too indistinguishable. So I brought in a second channel of the dialogue in parallel with it, and I just used the channel strip in which I rolled off all the low end. I just took some of the upper mids and compressed the daylights out of it, and that was just enough to be able to make it still sound like it was this distorted futz thing, but it was completely audible, and you could understand. It was intelligible. You could hear exactly what the guy was saying. It was pretty cool. it's It's a great trick because when we're mixing stuff, especially with dialogue, where all of a sudden you'll love it, love it, that, you know what? I, was that an F? Is that a P? Is it a D? Right. I'm totally missing that. Then you just trick them and you use a little bit of the clean in there, pop it in there, 
you get that, and then you keep moving on. Yeah. yeah. That, so you know what? That's gold. Let me just tell you, these last 10 minutes have been nothing but gold. Seriously, there's some great – that was really good. That, I, every once in a while, I learn something. I'm learning a lot. Because <laughs> I, I really like – you know, because I do a lot of animation and I do and, – and dialogue and animation, you live and die by your dialogue. Yeah. It's just you got to come up with unique – You just got to make sure that you're fun. in sync. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes you, you get to the conversation issues and – I've actually maxed out the delay conversation in Pro Tools, oh God, I don't know, 10 or 11, where it just went. You, know, you, put, you put enough, you put some uh, 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 noise reduction plugins plus yeah. Oh, yeah. a couple L3s and stuff, yeah. and next thing, it's, it's, the system's like, ah, I'm yeah. joking. Put some L316s and the latency's like a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen, we're going uh, to wrap this up because... Uh, after our last podcast, which went like 90 minutes, I promised these guys we weren't going to go that long. And we actually went long, but that's okay. Um, but uh, We just love each other, Mike. We want to sit here and keep know, yapping all great. night long. Hey, we've got a lot of stuff we didn't we didn't hit. I mean, we're going to have to talk about some of this next time. One of the things that we're going to talk about is analog. I mean, you just don't hear about analog in general as much as you used to. And what does that mean? Where are we with analog? So we're going to, we're going to talk about that next time. But um, I just thought it was well worth um, answering the questions on how to mangle audio because uh, there's some really good stuff there. Before we go, Rob, uh, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? I've been up to way too many things to go into here, but musically, I'm happy to announce the Misses are climbing the charts with their second single. We found out today that uh, the current single, which is called Enough, uh, is number 27 on the adult contemporary Billboard chart and just hit number 40 on the pop Billboard chart. Wow. So we're now officially top 40. Wow, that's on the pop chart. But we, that's great. Thank you. The last single got into the twenties on the adult contemporary chart, and this one has two. And I am actually out here just for a day, uh, putting the final touches on our Christmas song, which will be coming out closer to Christmas. Wow! But the uh, second single is still going to be on the charts for a while. Hopefully, that's so fantastic. The Christmas song will come out mm-hmm. closer to Christmas. But the misses are burning up the world, and they're starting to get a lot of radio play, and they're doing live shows, and it's really progressing. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. When are they going on tour? Well, it's hard to go on tour when you have five women in a band with families and busy lives. So we're doing alternate. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Play. I know someone who can handle your merch. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Merch is a big part of this band. They have uh, a lot of stuff. If you go to themisses.com, thank you for the setup, Mike. Go to themrs.com and you can see what the misses are up to and see a whole bunch of merch. Yeah. Merch is a big deal for a band of five women, as you can imagine. I, you know, let me just tell you, the merch guys on all the tours I've ever been in, they were the hardest working guys, especially – well, Colin, we have ultra cute merch girls. For <laughs> well, what it's worth, <laughs> Col, you know, Colin got to be on the bus, but sometimes the merch guys drive their own van. Mm. So not only do they have to work the full day, then they got to load up their van and then they got to drive it the same place that the tour bus goes. So I, you know, I always like hanging out with those guys because they were pretty cool and slightly crazy. <laughs> yeah. As long as you weren't like driving in the passenger seat of their car That's as right. they fall asleep on the road. <laughs> uh, no, but I did used to make uh, friends with the truck drivers, and at least one time I would take a take a, a trip on one, with the truck drivers, one of the legs, and that was that was always kind of fun. Hey, it's an adventure, um, Nick. How about you? What are uh, you up to, brother? I've been doing I've been doing a ton of stuff. I just finished up. Um, some game music for a project that I can't talk about because it hasn't been released and I finished up some sound design for a game that I can't 
talk about because it hasn't been released and I've been doing a bunch of stuff for Disney. Um, and I'm in the middle. It's funny. After so many years of being a Macintosh guy, I'm in the middle of building a PC and we'll have to, we'll have nice. to take, get, get into this for an, you know, at another time, but I'm building myself with components from Newegg.com, a 4RU rack mount PC with 64 gigabytes of RAM, and I'm going to use it with the Vienna Ensemble Pro as a as a basically an orchestra server. So wow. all of the entire sample library of the orchestra is on SSDs, you know, solid state digital on this thing, and it's going to rock. It's going to be incredibly fast. Gigabit Ethernet feeding it into my Mac running Cubase Pro 8. It's going to be awesome. And it's probably going to cost you 200 bucks. It, it, well, I'm buying – it's a fantastic well, – it's a fantastically powerful machine, yep. and it'll cost under two thousand dollars, as opposed to four thousand dollars for like an entry level trash can Mac. Yeah, so no, there's I'm, something to be said. I'm about with that. you. Hey, I still use both, so I'm yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Scott, hello, hello. What what halfway? What have you been up to? What cool things? What can I talk about? Um, you know, I've been doing some stuff that's kind of outside the box for myself. Um, I'm trying to see what I can talk about. I'm creating a whole dialogue for a robot. I'm working and consulting with a car that has yet to see the light of day that's going to be something you have never even seen before. Oh, that's cool. Just weird stuff. Um, yeah, it's been exciting times. I'm heavily into VR, um, as well as you know the typical game stuff and the movie stuff. Uh, but the other stuff that I've been really into since we've last met was uh, guitar tones. So I bought myself a little Mesa Boogie. I've been buying pedal boards. Wow. And I built a full-blown pedal board with Switcher, and I've totally geeked out in the guitar world. <laughs> That's great. What are you going to do with your Axe FX2 now? Oh, I've got that as well. I've got it running, believe it or not, in parallel. So I run both, <laughs> and it's, it's an amazing setup because then it's the same concept of having multi-amps at the same time. So uh, the Mark 525 Baby Boogie and... A whole full-blown pedal board with controllers. and Yeah, I've, I've totally, you know, it makes no sense, but it's been a lot of fun. Well, you're going to have to keep us posted on your, uh, your guitar journey. Yeah, and yeah. picked up a Majesty. And just beautiful guitar. Wow. So, anyway. <laughs> That's cool. Bobby O! Well, I think the last time we talked about this, I had a song that was number six on the blues chart. Not a song, oh, an right. album. It right. was um, uh, Adriana Marina Groove Cutters, Double Crossing Blues. And it's since gone to number two. Wow. Nice. So that's kind of cool. Um, other than that, I just finished up not one, but two books. Um, these are updates. The Music Producer's Handbook version two is now finished, and that'll be out in January. And also uh, an update to the Music 4.0 book. It's going to be Music 4.1. Um, and that I really endeavored to find out where every thousandth of a cent from every stream goes to and um it's pretty interesting i I, i've i've kind of uncovered you know i've looked under the blankets to see where it's all happening well when's that coming out that'll be in january as well well when that comes out we're gonna we're gonna have to revisit that yeah i'm still not I'm, i'm still kind of freaked out and panicked but you can talk me off the wall back in january so maybe I won't. 
Bobby, I love being on your email thing. It's a quick shout out for this stuff. It's like every couple of days, I all of a sudden get a little. It's like, oh look, I got a present from my friend. I got some little interesting piece of knowledge. Yeah, but my credit card absolutely Bobby, hates it. I'm no, like, no. He goes, I, oh, you should check this out. I'm like, what? I Ooh. love the fact that you send out like little yeah. tidbits of information and stuff. It always brightens my day. Right? Yeah, it's, thank you. It's, yeah, you, thank you. It's a good. It's a good place to be subscribed to. I will tell yeah, you absolutely. that. Until, How about you, Mike? Where did we yeah. get to? Oh man, it was it was it was a crazy summer. I did a ton of filming. I'm actually still doing a lot of filming right now, which is absolutely fun. I'm I'm just I went to film school. I got all into this because I, you know, what I really wanted to do was direct. I mean, come on, that was like the that's the that's, LA thing. That's the LA thing. But I, that's why I went um, to film school, and I just I've been having the opportunity, and uh, I've shot a couple music videos, and some of the stuff's going to start rolling out. And it's just fun. I was telling these guys a story that um, I did a multi-camera shoot in Dallas, and I've never done a multi-camera shoot before. I'm sitting there and get the guys, and they're asking me, you know, okay, well, what do we do? And, you know, when life puts you in a situation where you are doing something that maybe you haven't done before, but you're about to start it, you can do one of two things. You can run from it, or you can just go full bore. I mean, just you have nothing to lose, right? So just go for it. And I, I just attacked it and ended up doing pretty good. So, um, you know, that's no one's gonna, no one's gonna reach down and pull you up. You always have to create your own, your own places. Sometimes you just have to open the door yourself. And that's what I've been doing. I've been opening some doors and it's really kind of fun. So that, and, uh, starting next month, um, I'm going to be mixing a new animated series, um, that I will talk about. can't talk about it right now. Um, and that's going to be kind of fun. So, um, it's a half hour show, but that's about it. So, uh, and we had the, uh, we did, um, while we were on hiatus guys, um, Martin came out with his album and we did the podcast special. And if you haven't listened to Martin's podcast special that I did with him, the one-on-one interview, um, it's show 165.5. I would suggest you listening to it because it's, it's, it's long. It's two hours, but he goes into every single song. And, and if you're a songwriter and you want to learn how to write a song, but how to stay relevant and write a lot of songs. I mean, what we hear is just a small portion of of his songs that he has and and i often wondered how a songwriter has how do they come up with it how do they consistently come up with songs and if you listen to this podcast and he talks about the genesis of some of these songs it's really amazing um he'll tell you you know he's not going to outright tell you but you listen and you'll, you'll find out you know he does a lot of reading he does a lot of a lot of a lot of research, you know. Basically, it all comes down to research. So that was kind of fun, and uh, I recommend that. If you haven't um, heard that show, I recommend you um, listening to that. I'll also say Martin and I now have the same housekeeper, <laughs> and she's totally awesome. So big shout out to Lydia. <laughs> you totally rock our way. Thank you. Had to get a shout out there. Uh, all right. Well, hey, if you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork That's audio at nowcastnetwork um, look forward to uh, hopefully doing another podcast in a couple of weeks. We'll try to get them as much as we can, but um, it's a real busy season for everybody. But we're, we'll get at least one a, one a month in there for you guys. All right, for myself and all the guys, and thank you, Colin, for uh, helping us out. Thank you, Colin. Hey, Colin. <laughs> um, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.
for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and West Wave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Aphex's 230 Master Channel Voice Processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>